and, and it increases your belief in your, in your ability as an artist you know and when you write songs now it helps you visualize what they could be as well rather than the, them being just a simple tune on the guitar that you would very easily dismiss that was blake's fortune and this is from the maker to the made podcast You are listening to From the Maker to the Made podcast. Hello, hello again. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's good to be back. Yeah, so podcasting. It's been a little bit sporadic lately, but uh, hasn't life, hasn't life been sporadic? It's felt sporadic for me anyway the past year with COVID-19 and lockdowns and various things. So, uh, yeah. So you forgive me if um, you've been waiting a little while on this podcast, but we're here now and that's what's important. The, uh, the penultimate episode for 2020, From the Maker to the Maid. I'm, my name is Barry Power. I'm a musician. I'm a songwriter. I am a sometime podcaster. From the Maker to the Maid is my podcast. It's a podcast for creatives, artists, musicians, where we talk about flow, process, and what it means to be a creative in the modern digital age. On the show is Dublin artist, musician, and songwriter, John Lennon, known also as Blake's Fortune. Through two albums, 2017's Hello World, and this year's sophomore release, Searcher Dreamer, John combines elements of indie folk with soaring harmonies, edgy guitars and cinematic imagery to produce an immersion, immersive and emotional musical experience. I think you were really going to dig our conversation. We talked the name, Blake's Fortune, our mutual appreciation of John Carpenter and his movies, the DIY approach, gigging and writing seasons, working with a producer and the role of a producer, collaboration, process, writing as a chore and much, much more. The links to all of John's socials, as always, are included in the show notes, along with any of the references we talked about in the show. BarryPowerMusic.com is where you can find me. Sign up to my mailing list there and get some exclusive tracks. And an ebook. Uh, if you're really liking the podcast, thank you very much. Please feel free to share it around, or if you're feeling in any way generous, a positive review on iTunes always helps with the uh, feeding the algorithms and such like. But if you want to go that little extra step further, there's a Patreon page, Patreon forward slash Barry Powers, where you'll find me at the moment for the month of November. I'm just wrapping up a brief series. Uh, of a 30-day creative challenge I set myself. So there's videos, music, and some extra bonus content there that you get straight away if you sign up to the Patreon page. And it also helps keep the lights on for making of things such as this podcast. If you'd like to be a guest or you know somebody who might be interested in coming on, talking about their experience as a creative maker of things, 
we've had a lot of musicians on but it's not exclusively for musicians you can also be a filmmaker photographer scriptwriter uh ballet dancer whatever you feel is your creative expression i'd love to hear about it and how you get your art out into the world from the maker to the maid at gmail.com all of these things will be included in the show notes thank you very much for listening here's blake's fortune so like it's john lennon i didn't twig it until uh i know yeah it's until i read the email and i was like wait jay lennon I was like, no way i know that's cool it, no like it's a curse and a blessing mostly a blessing though do you know but like well absolutely yeah big big shoes to fill though for like a musical career well like the first day in new park it was uh we were all in the the main room with the grand piano like and like your man at the piano i forget his name was it connor i can't remember but uh he said oh is john lennon here or whatever and i said oh yeah i'm here and he goes who shot john lennon by the way and i went uh mark chapman i think and he goes i have his application in the office you know so there was <laughs> there was a mark chapman who was uh scheduled to do the same course the following year apparently seriously yeah yeah wow that is wow so i was going That's... well if i actually ended up murdering him i'd be like instant instant famous like you know overnight you know Inst- instant instant yeah. karma <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry that's a terrible joke <laughs> so blake's fortune then how did um how did that come about the name oh the name itself uh well obviously to remove uh the artist from the name of john lennon so i needed i needed a moniker so yeah. uh I just kind of wanted to go for something that was uh, not quite uh, like an individual and not quite a band, like kind of a kind of an in between where people would not really know, um, and it would kind of give me kind of artistic freedom to to kind of work with people or collaborate as I went along. Um, yeah, and never have this kind of awkwardness of like, oh, you're collaborating with this solo artist. Do you know, I wanted it to be, oh no, you're actually part of Blake's Fortune for this album and so yeah, yeah you, you kind of joined the band for the yeah exactly but the actual name itself uh like I'm a, I'm a huge kind of horror fan so like my favorite film director is john carpenter and he did a film called the fog back in yeah yeah the with the early pirates yeah yeah late 70s early 80s and uh the the antagonist in that film uh is called blake and the story is kind of he's com- coming back for his gold. So that's where I got the kind of the idea from. Right, so I just cool. went for Blake's fortune. Um, there's one line in the film where it's kind of red and it's just you wouldn't notice it like, you know. Um, so I was like, oh, yeah, we'll go for that. So then I kind of went online and had a look to see if any of the handles were taken on like Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And like they were all there for the grabs. And so I just grabbed them all. And I was like, that, that was pretty much it. I didn't really think too much about it, so I said, "Right, that's it. That's that's." It. I didn't want to be worrying about oh, what what do I call myself and stuff like that. So, uh, that is a deep reference, though, John Carpenter. <laughs> you know, yeah. one of John Carpenter's like lesser known movies, though. I know. Yeah, it's my favorite one. I think it's his most like atmospheric movie. Um, but yeah, you I think just... more than the thing. The thing. Oh uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, the thing is up there. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the Halloween, the fog, and the thing are like 
they're and know. an amazing composer as well i know like doing all his own scores as well and kind of like scoring it to the film while watching it you know it's not like it, there was no kind of post going on back in those days you kind of you just yeah, sat down yeah. with the synth and watched the film and then played in those parts you know so uh pretty impressive like yeah i love it. it's kind of kind of come, come full circle in in that respect as, again in that like a lot of people are doing do you know or, or have access to do filming and scoring and acting and do you know and yeah I, I like that kind of diy kind of mentality i i really kind of i dig that like yeah i mean we have to, we have the time now to do it you know there's no excuses uh well yeah that's true <laughs> how how has it how has it been for you the uh the uh the whole lockdown lockdown experience was it was it a creative time did you find it creative or do um i think for me it was uh at a time where i was trying to release my second album so uh, it was a time of kind of trying to secure kind of pr for it and doing the kind of the business end of things so it was a great time to do that like i think you know the lockdown can be has been good and it has been bad depending on where you are in the process right so if i mean if you if you were wanted to be gigging or if you're at that process it was terrible right and i see a lot of my kind of contemporaries struggling because all they want to do is gig you know they want to get back out there and it's such it's just it's heartbreaking to see that they're struggling so much and they're kind of doing the gigs online and stuff like that but it's obviously not the same for them um whereas if you're at a different stage of the process let's say if you're at like the writing stage or something like i mean it's 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 great then because you have that time and you can you know you can really focus on that so for me i was at the kind of the latter stage of kind of releasing an album so it was it was the business end it was kind of doing all the distribution and kind of the promotion and doing all of the social media stuff and yeah. all of that stuff so did, like it was did good. you change your approach you know but um, obviously you had to change your approach but yeah was, I it, think was it, was it a it, kind of a a, a good d- challenge or was it like um this is totally a disaster yeah, yeah. no no it was a great challenge uh in terms of approach it wasn't it was all new to me because i mean the approach i took for the second album was entirely different to the first album like i didn't do any kind of pr for the first album and it was it was very much a diy project and i kind of didn't even tell anyone i was recording the first album until i was at the very latter stages of it and i it was coming to fruition partly because i was kind of didn't believe i could finish it or something you know i just Kind of wanted yeah to, yeah wants to hide it away until it was created and then be able to tell people oh by the way i i've i've done that or i've recorded that you know whereas with the second album i kind of made the decision to kind of get a producer on board and to get pr for it once it was done and, and do a kind of give do it justice basically and yeah so like it was uh in terms of the approach it was all new to me but i think it did really benefit uh me in the sense that i had that kind of free time to to concentrate on that um yeah and everyone was starting to kind of do things you know live streaming and all all that and i was able to do like my first official kind of 
streaming gig as Blake's Fortune, you know. So like that was all interesting and fun, you know. But uh, yeah, it you know I think uh, it's it's it still suits me uh, the kind of the 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 lockdown because kind of at the the beginning point of like the next thing that I want to do. So it, it's obviously kind of shifting into the creative side and it shifting into writing. So I don't feel I'm losing out. Um yeah. Yeah. So so it's very very fresh though the the second album. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it is. Um I record I actually recorded it uh, uh the summer of last year. So it was over a 7-day period and I recorded it down in Wexford and uh uh yeah, I recorded with uh, producer uh, Darren Nolan, who um, he was great at like you know kind of uh, structuring my ideas and you know uh, keeping me in check. Um, yeah, and it was, it was such a great, great experience to to have done that because yeah, like with the first album, I kind of I recorded it myself at home, part time you know, evenings and weekends, piecemeal, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah. I think it took me, you know, probably about two months to kind of get the raw album recorded, you know, and then I think it was six months end to end I had it released, you know. Uh, so with the second album, I kind of, I had recorded rough guides and I had supplied those guides to the session musicians and to Dara and all of that and I went in and we kind of nailed it in seven days, you know, and it was just. Yeah. And did, did you put the tracks together in, in live sessions or did you like um, multi-track? We multi we layered the whole thing. So um, basically I had all of the guides done myself and structured and kind of, you know, in time and all of that. So I kind of sensed each musician. So they kind of had a, a, a feel for the vibe ahead of time. And uh kind of they just went in and just nailed all the parts you know and it was it was pretty impressive because you know day one you kind of you sit there with the drummer uh and he was amazing Lorcan burn um from baskerville like lovely guy and uh he basically just recorded you know the whole album all the drums in one day you know and right yeah I, so like are you very kind of organized with what you want specifically or did you give them a bit of leeway to uh Oh it was leeway a bit? it was leeway all the way. Um but uh I guess, you know, they, they they had artistic kind of freedom to like do what they felt needed to be done. And I I kinda knew that they weren't gonna like run away with it or you know, they're not gonna start doing kind of exhibitionist solos over this kind of like uh yeah you know but uh, it can be a, it can be a tricky thing it you know? can yeah i think i learned a lesson from the first album though because i think i was a bit of a I suppose a diva for the first album I, like in terms of creative control i wanted everything kind of i had a i kind of micromanaged a lot of it and i learned a lot of lessons from having done it that way yeah did you did you play a lot of the instruments yourself on the first album um no again it was very collaborative so like all i played was you know the you know guitars and vocals and backing vocals and all of that but you know i had you know uh you know damien walsh 
uh, came in he produced six of the tracks on it and, and he played guitar lead guitar on it as well um had uh, uh dave butner on bass and sarah gallagher on backing vocals and like it and lily and rory like that all of these friends kind of got together and kind of you know uh, did their parts but i do remember like there were certain points uh where people were like ah john like you know i'm not hearing that you know you're, it's all in your mind kind of thing where i was getting i was starting yeah, to nit- yeah. nitpick you know and uh i think that was the difference with the second album is in kind of getting dara on board as producer like he was just able to kind of just stop any of that and kind of go no john's fine let's move on or something like that you know um but yeah it was a great experience to kind of go in on day one Lorcan kind of did all of the drums and then i was kind of like sent home at the end of that day with uh, like the rough mix of the day so i was listening back to my rough guides with Lorcan's newly recorded drums over it and to me like even that was just kind of spellbinding like i, I felt yeah, like yeah it's coming I, together now and yeah, yeah it was just it felt like almost dreamlike i was walking home like the sun was shining and it was just i was like i can't believe this is being created in, in such a small space of time and as that week went on like every evening i felt like that and it was just uh an incredible uh experience like every layer that went onto it it just kind of it it, it kind of doubled in its kind of stature in my head you know um, yeah yeah that's it, that's really cool and yeah. w- like what what's your writing process like for that then so how much of the guides are are put together and you know do you have a do you have a specific process for the way you write write your music um the writing on both of the albums the writing came in very sh- in a very short kind of compact uh time frames like i wrote those albums i'd say with over a two-week period so the writing was done very quickly and I tend to write in kind of like, a, you know, go through a purple patch of writing and then I'd f- kind of forget about it or I'd park it and I'd just move on and, and get on with my life, you know. Yeah, and then yeah. later I would come back to it and go, oh, I've, I wrote them, yeah, like a month ago. I must must do something with them. Um, but the actual, the, the overall, like the songs themselves, the structure of the songs, they they came together quite quickly So in both cases. So I'm not someone who, I, I don't write every day. I don't write like in a kind of a, a disciplined fashion. Um, I kind of just do it when I'm inspired, you know. I, I, I kind of fear kind of practicing writing almost. Like I don't want it to become a chore for me um or yeah but you but you don't really struggle with it when it, the time comes when the time comes you, you, i run with it like. and i just feel lucky that it's flowing you know and i take from that what i what i take from it you know and uh i always like the, the beginning of the process is always kind of like a kind of a nebulous idea of what i want to create in terms of an album like so it I always the kernel is always like the vibe I want to have a certain vibe for an album um right because I'm an album sort of guy I listen to albums I tend not to listen to singles and unfortunately we do we do live in a a singles world where people release single after single after single and I mean if you were to grab all of those singles together and put them in an album I think it'd be kind of no coherency you know 
Um, yes. I tend to, if I hear a particular song and I like, and I've never heard of the band, I, like the first thing I do is like, what album is that from? Because I want to kind of digest the album. I, I'm, I'm less keen on just focusing on the song itself. Like, so... Yeah. Do you think do, do you think that's uh you know is that something that's still out there is that the album is a is a you know do you think people are still going for that in general? Um, I'd like to think yes. You know, I'd, I'd like to think yeah. I, I'm a bit of a kind of romantic in that sense. I kind of want to. I hope that there's people out there like myself that like to digest music the way I do. You know, and like to kind of really get stuck into an album you know and it's great there's nothing better than discovering an album that was like released let's say four or five years ago and it kind of the album unfortunately let's say went nowhere and wasn't a commercial success but Mm. you found it and it it's it resonated with you and it's i find that something really special about that you know and uh, yeah i think like i i still definitely listen through albums but i find that I move on from them a lot quicker these days. If if somebody brings out an album, I'll quite often listen through the full album once or twice, and then, you know, it. I consume them quicker, I guess. That's the world we to. live in. I guess it's kind of like. Uh, I, I I guess our attention spans are have gotten worse. They've reduced. Yeah. Things, you know. Um, but I I kind of think of it kind of like TV shows now. You know, it's like the production quality is so high on like one single episode, but you rarely go back and revisit whole series of TV shows, even yeah. though you may have really enjoyed it at, while you're watching it. Does that, that make sense? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is interesting. Like uh, it, a lot of the uh, I, I, the way the music industry has gone even before lockdown it, like it was it was already in a in a kind of a singles kind of fashion so people were releasing single after single and stuff like that so um and all of the focus will be on those things and it, it's it, it's kind of frustrating in a way because it it kind of gives you the sense that you're kind of only let's say successful if you're producing single after single and doing it that way um, it's almost like you know you you have to keep posting on social media in order to be kind of relevant and stuff like that you know so it's yeah it's kind of like how uh, how do you find like what's your relationship with with that kind of side of things the the whole online um like you say the kind of hamster wheel of regular posting and the dreaded word of content <laughs> yeah how's your content uh, yeah yeah it's uh it's it's good that you said hamster wheel like that that sums it up really um yeah it's i think people can focus more on posting than writing and producing music you know so it's i i think people are addicted to social media myself included and we do all get the little dopamine hit when we get the notifications in you know yes. yeah that's true so it's kind but, uh, of like, like I, I you know just sorry go on uh, just to, just to play devil's advocate for for a minute, I mean, the the facility to make albums and make music and release music has never yeah. been more accessible. In that, like, um, probably what's what's sitting on your desk is is more powerful than like what the Beatles had when they recorded Sgt. Pepper. 
yeah you know, or I mean, even we, your laptop we have the technology like it's it is amazing that people can you know produce music so easily right they can and they can get it like distributed and you know get it mixed to get it mastered and get it out there pretty quickly like the turnaround time is pretty quick um the flip side of that is that well then is the whole market saturated with less quality right um yeah so. I'd, I'd, I'd like to think of it as it's not that there's less quality it's just that the quality is harder to find and harder to nail down i think that's yeah that's, that's a big problem for me is that i can't find i can't find music in the same way i used to find music which was maybe through certain radio presenters or uh say q magazine or you know magazines or or, or people that you used to kind of have a gateway into the the type of music that you liked and yeah and now we wait for spotify to tell us what we will like next you know um uh, yeah and that's a, obviously like an algorithmic yeah. choice and then you're like well i but keep see, getting the who on my spotify playlists well, <laughs> you know regardless of who i'm listening to the who always come up next so well, the they're obviously just you know the aggregate of everything that i've been listening to well like the annoying thing is like i mean obviously it's kind of it sounds cool and easy to kind of diss that kind of thing but like i have discovered lots of new artists via the spotify algorithm so i, I can't diss it too much you know um yeah so it, it's a weird one because it's there's as much positive in there as negative but it's just it's like like you say it's just there's so much so much to wade through and and so little attention that you have to or seem that you have to give it that's true yeah it's also the lack of i know like it, it might be a small thing but like the lack of artwork or the lack of like you know the tangible kind of lp or cd and the yes, booklet yeah. that comes with it right so we have lost that as well and i know vinyl came back in a big way a couple of years ago um which is good um but did you make any vinyl for your last album no i didn't uh i couldn't afford to <laughs> but i it is I, very expensive yeah. it is very expensive and the thing about it is i think it was like you you know you'd have to at least get like a hundred or so pressed you know and i think the cost of that was almost the cost of buying a vinyl so uh, it didn't really kind of work out uh, that way but I would like to backtrack and do it eventually uh, maybe for the two albums so um, yeah and who designed the the artwork for uh, well the artwork um, was they're both paintings um, and obviously the, the listeners can't see us but you can see behind me are the two albums there so my friend Brino uh, painted both of them and uh He's a great artist. Uh, if you check out his stuff, uh, brianoart.com. Yeah, I'll put links in the show notes. And Sweet. And uh, yeah, so he painted uh, both of them. And basically the, the, the first idea that I had with the first album was kind of like a coastal vibe to it. Road trip kind of vibe. And uh, the second album was kind of more of a inland kind of earthy kind of sound so that's why it's kind of a forest uh, escape there but um yeah. and they're cut they're kind of 
point of view perspectives so you know in the first album you're kind of looking down at the coast but then the second album it, you're kind of turning back inland and then there's a pathway that leads up from the first albums kind of like the lighthouse and then it continues on into the second album cover into the forest so like brino loved the idea of particularly of the second one that it's a continuation um that's very cool yeah that's like i mean tie in tying them together are you going to like continue on that theme with with the next exactly yeah like i obviously i didn't i didn't know the tie-in when i was obviously doing the first album but it was i when i was thinking about it you know i actually kind of I had a, I dreamt the cover of the second album. So I said it to Brian. I said, I had this dream where I'm staring into a forest and there's a pathway that leads in. I don't know where it goes. And it's all, the feeling was all kind of ethereal and dreamlike and weird. And he was like, oh, I need to paint that, you know? So I was like, okay. That's that's so cool to have a collaborator like that. Yeah. I'd love to keep him on board. Uh, So as long as, as long as he maintains friend prices, uh, will continue you know but uh well th- yeah this is it i mean but yeah i don't want without wanting to go to covid related <laughs> you know exactly yeah um but yeah thematically it's kind of like the first one you know it's kind of the coastal and then then you have the, the kind of the more earthy it's more introspective than the second album you know um but i love the fact that there's no like I, I'd be a bit OCD about album covers. Like if, if it comes to my album cover, I would, I would probably obsess about like how that like the writing would be on the cover. Like how should Blake's Fortune be written? What font? What size? All this stuff mm-hmm. to the point where I was like, I don't want anything on the cover. I just want Brian's painting, and let that be the the album cover. Yeah. And that just took the stress away. <laughs> I didn't have to worry about it. Like, um. And then just have like let's say a track listing on the back, say once it's kind of you know distributed as vinyl or CD or whatever. So that's what I did with the first one. Then I, I kind of got CDs printed up, and then it was at the back. So I felt more at peace with that. So the only thing is, I have to keep this up now. If I keep making albums, my OCD won't let me kind of put put any titles put already. any titles on my albums from here on in. So it's it's. I think Brian was tied tied into this forever now. He'll be that's glad very to absolutist. <laughs> it is, yeah, a bit black and Twelve white. Twelve albums later, not yeah. one. Word. <laughs> yeah, who wrote these? <laughs> I might have to just go like go a different route, just kill off Blake's fortune and then create another moniker. You know, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, go go Bowie style. Mm. Thanks for the comparison. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah go big <laughs> so if you if you were um giving anybody advice in becoming an artist and i know this is like a strange question to ask now because obviously we're in such weird times but mm-hmm. uh, like in t- in terms of navigating uh your creativity how how do you find you can do this job without kind of spinning out and um you know i think it's kind of a, a heavy question <laughs> it is yeah um i'm trying to answer it and i kind of a, i'm trying to apply it to well if you've any if you've any um things that work for you or anything that you find helpful um i think getting those situations i think getting the right people to help you out i think if you're if you're at a stage of 
the creative process where you're let's say you're recording getting the right people in getting a, an extra pair of ears in to kind of ground you uh yeah. is probably the most beneficial thing that you could do for yourself because if you're if you're an artist and you're kind of doing it all yourself yeah that's great you know you can you have all the time in the world say to create whatever you want to create but you have to create something at some point and i think if you get people in that can encourage you to kind of let's say speed up that process or maybe take some things away that you thought might work but they they may not and i think that's a good thing i think i found with the second album in particular that uh i got so much more out of the album by having the people that i got on board to do that so like um as i said before i had this kind of vibe that i wanted to achieve with the album at the beginning and that was kind of like the the carrot like you know i just kept my eyes on the prize i just at the end of it i want the album to have that vibe you know and yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. kind of acted as an anchor for me and then the people that i got on board they kind of understood where i was where i wanted to go and then they applied their creativity to it and ultimately what i got in the end was something like above and beyond what i could have asked for and it was it wasn't it wasn't what i had had in my head initially because what i had in my head initially was quite nebulous but it crystallized thanks to these talented people that worked with me and i got something in the end that i could listen back and i just thoroughly enjoyed for myself like and that was that was the beauty of it and it had that vibe that i wanted initially right so that was never lost and uh yeah i think i think you touched on something really important there that, that you know this this idea of like your ideas can be very nebulous and i i find that myself and like quite often i'll work on one thing and then i'll see something else and i'll start working on that and then i have before i know it i have three or four different projects on the go and none of them are really that coherent and i think you know having people there to to just help kind of guide you along and uh to to keep you going on one track is is so important yeah absolutely yeah like i mean even getting even at the point of uh the mixing stage um even getting an extra pair of ears as i mentioned before like i got damien to kind of listen to one of the tracks and you know he kind of he was he was listening to the beginning of it and then the vocals came in and like the beginning was quite long and that was the first thing he kind of pointed out he was like ah oh, it, it it just felt like it was going on forever until the vocal came in like you should maybe mm -hmm. you should consider taking out two bars from that or something you know and i kind of went back to dara and suggested that and he just did it really quickly he was like yep yeah. he's you he just cut them out and then it just worked way better so that's what i'm talking about that and that was just like you could just keep it to yourself and not allow anyone in and not allow anyone have an opinion on your stuff because you know you're you're so close to it and it's your precious thing you know uh but you have yeah. to you have to you have to let people in um you have to bring them to your heart you know and uh, <laughs> just let them yeah let yeah. them destroy it you True. know um and like because you know he was asking me i'll oh, remove something i'm like oh my god how dare you like you know but uh it worked how, out. how do you 
respond to criticism then right does is it are you kind of cool with it now or was it was it a tough time before uh let's let's just say i'm cool with it now Uh, (laughs) um, yeah 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 i've learned a lot like it's it is hard like you can get too close to your work right and the first time that people kind of criticize or whatever you can take it badly you know and you go oh crap like but uh you have to know that like they want the best for you you know so of course like it like it'll all work out for for the better right so uh you have yeah, you true. have to like let people have their opinions about that and um yeah no i've definitely learned a val- valuable lesson and i would always like i wouldn't I, i'm a real coll- collaborator now like i'm i really want to kind of do that for the next thing that i do so yeah lesson learned yeah true i think you know it's it's separating yourself from from your work is can be so hard you know and especially with musicians because musicians identify as being musicians so you know when people criticize you or maybe even edit stuff you you can take it personally because it it reflects like it's it's on you you know that's true yeah like one thing i wanted to do was i wanted to be able to listen back to my own album as if it was just someone else's album right so i I didn't want to be tied so closely to it like all the way i feel about it was that all i did was write the songs and record the guide tracks and present them to dara and the guys and just kind of say okay listen this is this is your template basically um you you, you kind of get the vibe first so how would you play this like how would you want it to be played by way of drums by way of bass by way of backing vocals and uh, i mean like even seeing the collaborators uh their process that was like amazing to see like alva Reddy worked with me on that and she did the backing vocals and like i was blown away by like the amount of work now it was probably not a huge amount of work for her i don't know but like it seemed to <laughs> me like she put in like a lot of work because i sent her the guide tracks and i got this email back from her which was this gigantic email of like all the 10 tracks like a description of each one and what she would do on it and where she would come in and you know and it was just i was blown away by that so then when she was able to come in she was just kind of nailed all the 10 tracks much like the way the guys did with their parts you know yeah and uh that was great to see someone else's process how they work and uh again it was just it all worked out for the better, right? So it was very generous, you know, very generous over time. It was, yeah, like uh, like I'm hugely uh, grateful for herself and the basketball lads for kind of their contributions. Like, it, like it wouldn't it yeah. wouldn't sound the way it does without them. Like, and yeah, forever. And grateful. Do you ever do you ever write collaboratively? No, actually, I don't. I've never. No, I've, it's always been a. A very personal thing for me uh to kind of write music and kind of shield myself away from everyone and write these like depressing songs and stuff like that like why would i why would i allow someone in to like tell me it's rubbish at the beginning <laughs> um, yeah 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 so i don't know like I, i'd be open to it uh if i kind of met a like-minded artist that would want to 
to to work with me on that but that that'd be cool like it'd be an interesting kind of uh new direction for me you know Um, yeah so so what's the plan for next project is that going to be continue with some more promotion of this album and then on to something else are you going to take a break um i suppose i take a break i'm kind of coming up towards the end of the kind of promotion of this album um and i guess again i'm at the the beginning stage of the process the kind of the nebulous stage of the next thing that i want to do so um again kind of not fully formed ideas it's all it's all up in the air and i kind of want to start crystallizing it a bit and and seeing where i want to go with that and also reflecting back i kind of every so often i'll listen back to the albums the first one and the second one and kind of i want to kind of figure out if i was a listener like what what would i want to hear as the next installment from this artist you know um and should it be in the same uh kind of genre or it definitely like i i kind of want the theme i kind of want to have a kind of a a running theme throughout the whole kind of body of work um yeah so where, where do you get that kind of inspiration from do you draw that from like books and movies or uh life think, life experience or yeah i think it it kind of t- ties into the fact that how i how i listen to music like like i said i'm kind of an album person so i I like holes like i, I like the the whole thing you know like i don't like just uh singles or like uh, just you know one episode of a tv show or something like that like i i like the, the full body of work and i guess i like a story arc you know and uh yeah yeah if if i can kind of share with the listener my story arc um because ultimately like these albums are expressions of where i was and am at in my life and stuff like that so um i think that people can obviously resonate with one or the other um depending on where they are in their life you know so um i think as long as i kind of stay true to where i'm at and what i want to put out there i think that will translate i ha- like you know i have the belief now that that will translate successfully to yeah a good finished product um so yeah because i didn't I, I didn't really have that belief in the first album because i had never done it before i didn't know what was involved on the business side of things um all i wanted to do was naively record a couple of tunes you know but i i did have this desire to for it to be grander you know always for it to be grander you know so um yeah it's a it's a massive task putting out an album um yeah you know, and i think and my it, naivety probably was a positive thing uh, the first time around because i didn't know like if maybe if i had a known in advance of all of the, the pitfalls it probably would have put me off perhaps um I don't know. I think I just went blindly into it and then, oh, okay, I'm at this point now. I'm at the mixing stage. Oh, I'm at the mastering stage. I'm at the, oh, I have to release it now, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, and then the second iteration occurs and then you learn so much. And, uh, yeah, it's, I, I, I look back and I go, I can't believe I actually managed to hit those milestones. Like, it's uh, certain things you can't plan. 
Yeah, true. And would you like, would you consider any other kind of forms of work? Just when you mentioned that, like, storytelling is important and kind of an overall theme and stuff, would you ever kind of explore, uh, I don't know, script writing or short stories or anything like that? Do you um, any of that kind of way? Well, I'm massively into like movies and I always have been. And um, so movies and music have always been like two of my kind of joys in life. And like what we said earlier about John Carpenter, it's nice when someone is able to do both and actually put it into the one body of work that it's incredibly impressive to see. So you make an awesome movie yeah. and then you can make an well, the awesome video, The score. video is, is very cinematic. Oh, yeah. The Searcher video. Searcher, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess that was kind of, yeah, that was inspired by John Carpenter as well, I guess, uh, in a way. Um, because I, I met up with um, the filmmaker, uh, Andy Parks. Um, I found him on Instagram, actually. So I saw a video that he did um for Daniel John Paxton and it was called Railway Line and it's an incredible music video like what he did with optical effects like no CGI like it was it's just I was blown away by it so I got in touch with him and said hey I've I've kind of recorded or I'm about to record my second album I'd love to do a video with you at some point and uh he was uh he said oh yeah sure get back to me when you're when you're ready so met up with him and we talked about what my idea was for uh searcher and at that point he had listened to it in advance of us meeting for coffee and he gave me his idea of what he would do after i gave mine and they were they were scarily similar oh Um, cool yeah and we we talked about influences as well movie influences and stuff like that and you know, uh, uh, like my desire was to make a music video that was a bit odd, a bit mysterious um, and a bit kind of uh, cerebral um, to make the person kind of go, wait, what did I just see? Or was that real? Or was that in his head? Or what's going on here? Right. So and he was he totally dug that idea and he just he went all in with this it was just it was gas it was it was great fun making it as well like and again it was great to see his process like because that was like that was my first kind of uh i guess taste of like filmmaking like seeing someone actually oh so that's how it's done you know and uh yeah yeah. he he bought this kind of he had a new toy that he wanted to this is like you with your new webcam like you know when you're testing it out but he yeah that that just failed by the way oh did it oh nice (laughs) yeah yeah it just ran out of batteries for the viewers at home uh yeah so i'm I'm actually switching angles (laughs) (laughs) make creative choices exactly yeah but yeah he he got a new toy which was like this brand new lens like an anamorphic lens which is basically like a super widescreen lens so just using that alone makes it more cinematic and you know the way we've kind of shifted in like the way we view things now like with smartphones and stuff like that uh, you know back in the day it was all widescreen people wanted everything widescreen and even on youtube you wanted it widescreen and if anyone uploaded something that was in portrait uh yeah perspective 
you would get dissed so badly you know uh for having done that yet that's how it's turned out people all record in portrait mode now so it's actually unusual to watch something on youtube that's actually shot in widescreen you know yeah and, uh, yeah so yeah we did it uh he, he uploaded it and and top quality like 4k definition all and it was just it looks great yeah, ah like I'm, yeah like we're, we're totally proud of it like it's and uh for how much fun we we had making it like when we're kind of some ways removed from it, from it now as time goes by that we can watch it back and go oh that like we can really enjoy it on a new level you know and uh yeah i'm glad it i'm glad it's kind of creepy enough like someone <laughs> someone the other night just said oh i watched your music video i didn't it was a bit it was a bit creepy and i was like thank you you know i was just i was like i was delighted yeah. you know so the next album was going to be like horror, yeah. horror, horror. <laughs> yeah. To go through slasher, gore. Uh, That's it. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm running out of genres maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All, what would you consider like, you know, short films or even films? Filmmaking? I'd or is that something you prefer to kind of maybe work with in music videos? Uh yeah, I'd love to. It's something I'd love to work with, by way of music videos. Like I, I really had a great time uh, making the music video, and I'd love to do that again. Um, to the point where I'd like even write a song just so I could do that. Like it's just it was so yeah, much yeah. so much fun. I'd love to work with Andy again at the first opportunity. I would I would work with him again. So, um, like you know, for me to do like let's say the next project, if it's an album, um. I, I would have that all in my head about, you know, getting the producer, getting the right collaborators and getting, let's say, Andy on board for like a music video. But like, it's just so great to have gone through the process the second time around and knowing that you, you can you have those tools at your disposal now and that you can kind of it, it helps you visualize the end product that bit better. Right. Um, yeah, yeah having done it at least once before you know um and it gives you that like way more confidence because that was another thing like you know like i had very low confidence for the first album like even doing it then the second album like having the producer was just amazing kept me anchored kept kept me stru structured and um you know you reap the rewards of that and uh and, and it increases your belief in your, in your ability as an artist you know and when you write songs now it helps you visualize what they could be as well rather than them being just a simple tune on the guitar that you would very yeah, well that's a really dismiss. cool idea like i mean not only is this song uh, like an individual song but where does it fit in in the theme of the album in the story of the album and then the overall story of you know the progression through albums and also where might it fit visually i mean you've got all this scope to write it's it's a really cool idea you know yeah and you want them all to complement one another in a way so like there's nothing worse than like you know if you're listening to an album and there's clearly some fillers in there that don't they don't fit you know it's kind of like yeah there's so many like the, albums used to be kind of like 16 17 tracks long right I remember like there was that that was the norm like 15 to like let's say 17 tracks on an album and you're like 
there's a lot of fillers sometimes with those, you know. And then as time went yeah, on, yeah. you you see the tracks, the, the number of tracks kind of reducing, but the quality is increasing, right? Um, or at least they're not, they're choosing not to put in fillers, you know. Um, and again, I think my OCD, like I, I had 10 tracks in the first one because it's a nice round number. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to have 10 tracks in the second one. That was it. There was never... Any. 10 tracks is a good is a good amount yeah yeah i was thinking that and the, i was thinking ahead for like vinyl and stuff like that i just like the idea of five and five you know yeah and um even like even titling the second album i was because it's called searcher dreamer and i was thinking okay well track one is called searcher and then then track six will be called dreamer so then that they effectively named the sides of that's L- cool of yeah. the lp you know so um so that'd be good if i ever get my ass in gear and actually put it on vinyl so uh that, that that's well, that's one yeah it's been that's one thing i can look forward to, to though to do you know that's the next kind of uh it's kind of like it's it's like the brucey bonus you know of uh you've done the album and then you've got yeah. something else to uh to look forward to and i think the music video kind of acted like that as well because um, I wasn't but I think yeah there's something about the vinyl as well when when you think of making it is that somebody can have this album and it, it actually exists because when you think of you know mostly you think about digital distribution now and the album doesn't exist except as a yeah as a loads of bits of data on your computer or in you know in internet land and yeah. the idea of somebody actually physically having it in their house whether they listen to it or not you know is at least it exists again yeah that's something that's again i kind of look forward to like yeah i I get that and even like with the artwork with brino's artwork as well like they they would translate very well to 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 vinyl right so they would look great as a as a vinyl so it's definitely something i'm gonna look into um in due course um because i got them mastered for vinyl as well just knowing that one day I'll, I'll I'll get around to it, you know. Excellent, excellent. So, just lastly, what I've asked everybody is if um if you have any recommendations of any uh any books or films or inspiring people, things that have really inspired you uh in your creative career. Um, I think mostly just for me following certain artists as they've kind of progressed um uh for example beck is a like i think he's hugely influential um but i followed him kind of or his career and just the ebbs and flows of the kind of albums that he produced they were all kind of very different and uh the way he kind of was very bold about exploring different genres and just going for it having a go yeah you know yeah yeah and uh, well yeah sea change was a massive um yeah like and it that, influence. That, yeah that, that was that was like an amazing album and uh, i think i think not so much kind of books or whatever but i tend to obsess about like the people behind the album so like you, you mentioned sea change there so that was produced by nigel godridge and who also produced a couple of other beck albums and then it turns out he produced like a bunch of Radiohead albums as well. So like, 
it, it, I kind of went down the rabbit hole of following him then. And he's not like an artist per se. He's like, he's the producer. But then you discover that, no, he actually is the artist. Like he's the person behind the scenes who is putting all the ear candy onto the, the album, the latter stages. Yeah, yeah. And basically is the kind of like the puppet master in a way, like jumping in here, playing this and that but having this kind of aerial view of like that's the person who who sees the carrot like who sees the vibe or the point where you want to get to but actually knows how to navigate to get to, to there you know and uh i think producers don't get an, enough like enough credit i think uh they they're like you know the fifth beetle or whatever you know like they're they're always the, the extra person that's that is part of the band you know so i think if if you like something like if you're an artist and you like a certain vibe or of an, of an album or like the sound of it like like my advice would be to kind of read up on that album and how was it created who was involved and kind of just do a kind of like a, a depth first search through that like so if you find a, per- a person that worked on it like what what else did they do and how was that was that a good album or was it a bad album like and, and why was it good or why was it bad in your opinion yeah. you know and it, it it's a real kind of learning experience to kind of go ah oh, like i i see all the pieces and they're all kind of moving together as one you know so um for me it was kind of like just my obsession about kind of figuring out like who was involved and i kind of learned a lot about that because then you can kind of hear similarities even if the artist is different so like i was able to pick out certain kind of uh, techniques or tropes or something that Nigel would have yeah, yeah, yeah. on Beck's albums that you could hear on Radiohead album and you're like oh no I get what he's doing there he like you see I'm not a producer but like I, I, was, I was starting to learn the kind of the signature of that you know so um, yeah I think like it's it's hard to give advice you don't know who you're giving advice to but anyone who's creative is just like uh, just kind of do what you're doing and believe in that vibe that you that you want to produce you know and uh know that like you can visualize it and you can make it a reality um you know if you let the right people in that want the best for you then yeah i think you're 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 flying then yeah yeah good advice and a good good point to uh to wrap it up I cool. thank you very much for coming on thank you so much it was a pleasure you are listening to from the maker to the maid podcast 